0: No hablamos, as well part of uh Fish Drives and he is a beat writer for the Gators as well. Ethan, my guy, how are you?
1: Good, Kev. it's good to be here man Of course I've enjoyed our streams together this season and now I'm glad to be I'm honored to be the first guest in fish stripes unfiltered history looking forward to chatting some Marlins with you guys.
0: Isaac, how are you my guy? Good
2: man good to be here like Ethan said we we all do fish stripes live together and now we have the we have the honor of having Ethan as our first guest as our inaugural guest and today we'll be talking you know going back to some of the trades that this new regime has made and go into what's going on with the team nowadays and maybe some major league baseball talk as well
0: yep make sure to subscribe on youtube and follow us on uh any podcast you know that you guys listen to us on so uh let's get started ethan i mean it's been a tough season to watch as a marlins fan i mean what 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 do you think about the marlins this season and some offseason expectations
2: well
1: you know kev uh at the end of the day, like it's really going to turn out to be kind of what I expected from a win total standpoint. Uh, they have a pretty solid chance here of getting to 70 wins, which is kind of the threshold that I set for them um, before the season, which, because they haven't gotten to 70 wins since 2017. So it looked really ugly. Um, it looked even more ugly at points than I thought it would. Um, obviously, coming off the playoff appearance, you just kind of wanted to see them look even if they struggled and they didn't put up a ton of wins, you wanted to see them look good and and play fun, um, you know, the way that they did at points last year. But they just haven't been very fun, haven't been very entertaining, honestly. It's been a lot of poor baseball. Lack of offense has been, I think, the storyline of the year. Um, but, you know, when we had Craig Mish on Fish Stripes Live, he kind of talked about how it all comes down to the Anthony Bass signing, and that's kind of where it all went wrong this year. And when you really look at it, and I've been thinking about it a lot since he said that, it really is kind of true because the Marlins have been in pretty much every game they've been in, and they know we know they can compete with any team. Um, you know, they've beaten the Dodgers, they've beaten the Giants, they've handled some of the better teams in the league. Uh, they played the Braves well this year. At the end of the day, it comes down to they haven't been able to pull out close games, and they've given a lot of a, a lot of games away at the end and the bullpen just hasn't been good enough, and the offense hasn't been good enough to make up for the poor bullpen. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that went into what happened this year, but I really do kind of am starting to agree with Craig that at the end of the day, that is really what it came – that's where it all started. That's the root of the problem, I would say.
0: Yeah, I actually, now that you mention it, and I think since Craig has mentioned it, I think we could agree that many of the games Anthony Bass was in he blew yeah. them. I mean, that's pretty much and I think the Marlins without blowing those games were not blowing all of them, but a good majority of them. If you didn't blow them, we would be, I think, in a different position right now than what we are in right now. And I don't know if you could agree with me, Isaac.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, like Ethan said, you have the you know the the shitty bullpen here, and then you have you add to that, you know, the really, really, you know, like crappy offense to go along with it. And, there, and what you get is a, a lot of win, a lot of losses by one or two runs and you know you're one good reliever one two good relievers away and like a couple bats from really putting a competent team out there but yeah you know they're both been really really struggled to begin the season you started the team you started the season one and five one and six i don't remember what it was and it's just a tough hole and it's just so disheartening when it's losing the games in the ninth inning it happened in new york by anthony bass it happened in on the second game of the season by anthony bass he gave up a homer and uh, wendell and all those things are just so deflating to an offense where I, they they just weren't able to recover from it.
0: Yeah, and I think you know Craig didn't mention this, but Yemi Garcia really blew a lot of games for this yep. team. No, nope, pretty right much there. towards the end of his time with the Marlins. Because at the beginning, we thought this guy was a, a legitimate closer. This guy really looked good, and then he just started to go on a on a decline. And I think that's something else worth to mention. And obviously, there's no excuses, but injuries were a big part of why the Marlins couldn't succeed. I mean. Starlin Marte immediately gets injured i think second game of the season eliezer gets injured his first start makes his whole rehab returns in his first game against pittsburgh gets injured and then it's just a lot of these other guys getting injured and i'm not going to mention those two injuries only mickey got injured at some point jazz was injured through a good portion of the season mm-hmm. and, and you really come to look at it miami really did have a lot of injuries and, and now we go in the offseason open-minded i mean what are you expecting for this offseason Ethan?
1: Well, just to touch on the injuries, Kevin. You know, I think a huge part of it was they had they never had until like August or September. They never had more than three consistent arms really locked into the rotation spots because Elazer went down right away, and they started the year with four guys because they were hoping that Sixto would be ready, and then he had a setback you know this that and the other and it was just all ugly and that is also kind of where it started where they had to use the bullpen so much that it put too much pressure on the bullpen it taxed too many guys they were overworked and then the bullpen as we know has kind of you know been very up and down this year they've had great stretches stretches they've had terrible stretches but um you know in in terms of the offseason kev uh I have I have high hopes, I'm not gonna lie. And uh, it might be dangerous because I had high hopes for last offseason as well. I thought they would really make some improvements last offseason and they didn't really go for it last off season. The Duval signing was obviously a good one. That has been nixed because just <laughs> what they did with Duval and, and how poor that trade has gone down. Uh but you know I just I I I know they're going to go out and get a center fielder, and I think they're going to go out and get a big-time center fielder. And, you know, I I think the guy – I've said this a lot across multiple different platforms on Stripes, I think the guy that you got to go after is Brian Reynolds. I think he's just the perfect match for what Miami needs. He's young. He's controllable. He hits. He plays defense in center field, uh, proven at the big league level, and, you know – you got to give up value to get value, and he's the exact kind of value that they need. Uh, so I would be willing to give up some you know, if I'm the Marlins, really willing to give up some value for him.
2: A line
1: drive and a catch by Reynolds.
2: He has perfected
1: that dive, the necessary dive, by the way. Yeah, don't waste time on your belly if you don't have
0: to. you got a great jump right there and a line drive. Wow. Stuck his head down and kept going.
2: Oh, and just that the Marlins were able to um, see him firsthand a couple of times this season. He homered off, he homered off him in Pittsburgh, and he had a decent series here down here in Miami. So, I mean, if you needed like any other excuse to, you know, to say, hey, to be sold on the guy, he was right there in front of you, playing really well, playing on a on a bad team. But he he really is a star in the making. And I think, like you said, he'd be a perfect perfect center fielder for the Miami Marlins next year. Yeah,
0: yeah, I and, actually, and
1: I don't think it stops at center field. Yeah, go ahead, Kev.
2: No, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I don't think it stops at center field for the Marlins. Uh, you know, everybody knows that the catcher spot needs an upgrade and I definitely think they pursued catching options last year. So I definitely think that they're going to go for some more catching options this year, whether that's Wilson Contreras, whether that's Jacob Stallings from uh, another pirate, um, the guy I really like is Max Stassi. Mitch Garver is another name that I think could be attractive for the Marlins. Good hitting catchers. They need offense out of that position. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of people are looking for in this offseason is more than just who they acquire. It's who do they move on from? You know, it's, it's time to cut ties with the dead weight that they've been carrying around a lot of this season. So you're talking El Faro, you're talking Sierra, uh, Isan Diaz, you know, they just sent him down in September. That's, that's, I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. Like being sent down, being sent down in September is pretty much, they already, you know, gave Jazz the job over him in spring training. So they already nixed him there. And now they send him down in September. That's as bad as it gets. So I really think those guys are kind of out of the organization. I know a lot of people want Brinson gone and, you know, they, they think it's just time for him to move on. But I wouldn't mind seeing him have a roster spot next year as like a fifth outfielder. But, so a lot of the decisions that need to be made are important decisions about who to move on from. To get this thing going, just kind of move on from... Hold on, sorry. I was going to sneeze. Kind of move on from some of the mistakes that they made in this organization. You know, obviously the Yelich trade there's a good chance all four of the guys in the Ellis trade, and we'll talk about that in a bit, are out of the organization by next year. So they just kind of got to get ruthless. That's the next step for them and cut ties with some of these guys Um, because that's an easy way to improve the roster as much as, um, you know, Uh, acquiring guys is an easy way to approve the roster, but there are other things besides center field and catcher. I would like to see another corner outfielder. Maybe they go and make an upgrade at third base from Brian Anderson. They haven't been clear on where they stand with him, Uh, but I'm curious on what you guys think as well, because there's a lot of other ways they could go in, uh, in, in free agency. Yeah. Off season.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, one of the big decisions is Brian De La Cruz. What do you do with this guy? Because, we thought this guy would he, – he started off hot. We thought he would go down, you know, 260 batting average. We mentioned this yesterday. And then all of a sudden, this guy, he, he's getting better and better. I mean, there's no stopping this guy. He's literally unstoppable. I mean, he's up in the stats with Mike Trout. I'm pretty sure, in some cases. I mean, what do you guys think he does do with him? Because let's say they do get Brian Reynolds. He would still have a spot in the outfield. They would have to get someone better than Brian De La Cruz – to, to put him as a fourth outfielder, which is a really good case. It, it would be a great scenario because he have three other guys who are a lot better than Brian De La Cruz, which means you made a huge improvement in the offseason. I think something else we could look at is the bullpen because, man, that bullpen is not good. And I think they could revamp it again for sure. Uh, I, I talked about Craig Kimball. I talked about Andrew Chaffin on the last podcast. Those are very good options. I would love Craig Kimbrell because it would just solidify the closer role. I think it wouldn't put Anthony Bender in that situation. It just makes a lot of sense. And then we talk about trading. I mean, I think Max Kepler and Mitch Garver are a really good option. I think it would be a lot cheaper than Brian Reynolds and Jacob Stallings. You get any of those combos. You get either Reynolds or, or Kepler. You're set. I mean, that's perfect. And then you get on either Mitch Garver or Jacob Stallings. Stallings, I think that would make a lot of sense as well. It's just what do you give back? I think Max Meyer would 100% be in a trade if – you gave up if you got uh Reynolds and um Stallings, I don't think you would be in a trade for Garver and uh Kepler though.
1: Yeah, if, if you're looking at Minnesota and you're looking at getting the cornerstone outfielder, you gotta look at Byron Buxton before you look at Max yeah. Kepler. Like for me, Kepler would be a guy, you got Reynolds and you got Stallings, now mm-hmm. you can go get Kepler. But for me, if I'm I have don't have Reynolds yet. I'm looking at Byron Buxton and I might even look at him before Reynolds. The only concern there is the injuries and and also having to sign him to an extension, you know, right out they would have to guarantee that they're gonna pay him an extension because you do not want another Starling Marte situation, that's for sure. So uh Buxton would be a guy I would look at as well. But yeah, bullpen help, you know, you talk we talked about Garrett Cooper, kind of seems like the odd man out. I wouldn't mind for some bullpen help. I think an AL team would love to, you know, go with the bullpen, but or, or would love to take Cooper and make him a DH uh, because of you know his durability issues. But man, Kim, you know, I, I don't see them spending big on a big money closer. Uh, I just hope they go out and get a strikeout guy at the back end uh, if they're going to spend money on a closer instead of going opting once again for a ground ball guy because that was a huge mistaken philosophy from them.
2: Yeah, and when you look at the two most expensive relievers in baseball. It'd be Kenley Jansen and Roldis Chapman, and they haven't exactly you know performed that well. Obviously, they're fun to have; they're great. You know, they'll bring people to the ballpark, but they're not playing that well. And so, it is a little bit of a sketchy situation to put that much money into a reliever. You know, especially the Miami Marlins; they're not they're not going to do that. They're not dumb like they were with Jeffrey Loria. Loria offered Chapman, I think it was eighty million dollars. Thankfully, you know that didn't happen. And when it comes to the center field discussion, yeah, I think Ethan is totally right. You go after a stud center fielder. That's who they're going to go after. That's what I've heard. It's either going to be Brian Randall, together, like Byron Buxton, maybe Cedric Mullins, like a star center fielder. And once you have that, then you maybe get a complimentary piece such as Max Kepler or someone like that to, you know, maybe platoon with Brian De La Cruz because Dela Cruz has played well enough. I've said this now a couple of times to really not cement himself as himself as a starter, but he's definitely be in the spring training, playing, starting most of the games, and seeing if he can, you know, carry over that success into March and April. So I, I would, I would think it's a mistake to just hand him over a left field starting job. But he would be the best fourth outfield in all of baseball. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. So, no, I forgot really that. Did. I forgot that's kind of where the question started was about De La Cruz and what do you do mm-hmm. with him? He's obviously on the roster next year. Yeah. I, I think that you sign a corner outfielder a Duval, a Rosario, trade for a Kepler, somebody not on the top end, but maybe in a like second or third tier guy in the corner outfield spot. And, and you say, all right, the two of you go out there in spring training and what do you win the job? And maybe yeah. you platoon them, but, you know, Delacruz Cruz is shown to be good against both sides of the plate, so his splits aren't necessarily mm-hmm. egregious. So, um, you know, you don't necessarily need a platoon there, but I, I would just kind of Create some competition and camp, and you know, give somebody a chance to beat him. But if he beats out anybody they bring in, he's been so fantastic. And you're right, Kevin, you said it. He's only gotten better. He, you know, he flashed every tool. I said in his first couple of weeks, he flashed every tool in the in the uniform, and then the power started clicking in, and now all of a sudden he's got like five home runs, six home runs, whatever. And for a guy who we don't think is going to hit for a lot of power, um, you know. To play this many games, which hasn't been a lot, and to have six home runs, uh, is is pretty impressive. So yeah, I'm super high on this guy, and I think you're right, uh, Isaac. You know, he could definitely be, if not the best, one of the best corner outfielder, uh, fourth outfielders in the sport. Um, And I think I've said this a lot. If the Marlins. You know, if he's their fourth outfielder, man, they had a good off season, and and it's going to be something that Marlins should be really excited about for sure.
2: Yeah, and the guy is slugging close to 500 in Lone Depot Park. You know, he yep. he's hitting, he's impacting the baseball. And he, I assume he's only going to get stronger in the off season, and yeah, like you said, we need just that one more corner outfield to supplement the center field stud that we don't know who it's going to be to go along with Jesus Sanchez and right. And
0: wow, it could be a really formidable offense all of a sudden. Yeah. And yeah. if you really know-
1: go ahead, Kev, go ahead.
0: And I know Craig counted out these guys, but you look at Catal-Marte; he fits the Marlins perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think the one I really liked was Cedric Mullins, but I don't see it happening now. Even though Craig said no, I mean I wouldn't mind looking at it. But we talked we talked about Brandon Marsh now. I mean that was something that almost happened, and it was a one for one. Could have been Mac, It was Max Meyer for Brandon Marsh. Something happened that the trade talks just all of a sudden felt didn't didn't go through. And I mean, that's for sure an option. I think the Marlins will look at, and maybe we talked about on our, on our you know, on the Fish Stripes chat uh, about Bryson Bergman. I mean, maybe he's a, a trade sweetener that the Marlins may use.
1: Yeah, you know, with Marsh, they better get that one right if they go for him. If they do yeah, Meyer yeah. for Marsh, they better they cannot miss because, mm-hmm. uh, man, I'm looking at these they numbers: 37% strikeout rate. He's walking at a pretty good clip. 87 runs, runs created plus. It's not. It's not bad numbers for a young guy. Like, it, it seems like this guy who makes the right adjustments in the offseason will be a pretty good hitter in the league. But, oof, they, if they trade Max for him, they got to get it right because Max has been so fantastic. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying, I don't, you know, do everything you can to avoid trading Max for a Brian Reynolds or uh, a Byron Bucks. And I think they'll have to. Um, yeah. But, man, I, oof, it would be, really tough to trade Max Meyer and get Brandon Marsh and then have him struggle. And and it would be kind of like a gallon for jazz like trade. Um, hopefully it would work out for both teams, but yeah, man, they would have to get that one right. And I'm kind of souring on that one with some of the, uh, with some of the other options that they have available.
2: You know, I would say that Brian De La Cruz probably has a higher floor than Brandon Marsh. Yeah. Brandon Marsh easily yes, just not come up and hit. It's very possible. You know, he, he put up decent minor league numbers, but, you know, he's striking out an astounding amount. Brian Taylor-Cruz has never really struck out that much. And Marsh could easily just not come up and hit at all. So I think for Taylor-Cruz would be a safer bet. So to give away Max Meyer for Brandon Marsh at this stage, and Marsh has been playing for a while now. How many at-bats does he have? He has 215 plate like, appearances. 200, yeah, 215 plate appearances. So he hasn't hit. And that's a pretty big sample size. It's around half a season. So I, I definitely wouldn't risk max meyer for him at this point i kind of was like all right maybe on the fence about it when it was reported because it was a much smaller sample size but now he's still not hitting and if we're gonna give away max meyer it better be for a proven commodity like brian
0: reynolds do you guys think any team would actually look into eater at this point even though with the tommy yeah. john yeah i mean yeah. i think that's someone they're gonna have to look at and if the marlins could trade him over meyer meyer i would do it in a heartbeat you know it yeah, seemed well, like the
2: it's, might be really interested yes. in a guy like Eater because, like, they're so far away and they're going to want the lower level guys. They're going to want a guy like Jose Salas or Uri Perez or Yidi Cap. They're going to want those low level minor leaguers. And Jake Eater, unfortunately, he wasn't before, but now with the Tommy John that set him back about a year, he's now a guy who maybe will be closer to big league ready when they're, the Pirates are closer to big league ready. So maybe that's someone that the Pirates would prefer, which, you know, would be fine with me. Tommy John, it's got a pretty high success rate as JJ Cooper was getting into with you guys, Ethan and Eli.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, you know, now at this point I liked Eater a lot, but now with the surgery and Max Meyer just performing the way he did in his first pro season ever, I, I would keep the guy.
1: Yeah. And, and somebody is definitely going to want Eater because he had such a great year. There's no doubt about that. Um, they might not be able to do like a, you know, Eater for Marsh swap, which is something that I would invite more than a max for Marsh swap. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, a couple of months ago, but, um, yeah, they're not going to be able to pull off something like that where he's the headline piece anymore. They can still trade him and get some good value, um, but it's going to have be a team like like you said, the Pirates, the Orioles, somebody that's far away that says it's okay. We can be patient with this kid. Wait for him to have Tommy John surgery because he's going to be all out, out all of next season. So he's going to miss all the next year. He won't pitch again until twenty twenty three, which sounds weird to say, but he won't pitch again until twenty twenty three. So. You know, you got to get a team that's a couple years away that's willing to say, okay, we'll wait until 2023 for him to pitch in Triple A, and then, you know, maybe by June or something, he's ready to pitch in the majors. So his timeline has been pushed back quite, you know, a year and a half. He could have been in the majors next year with the way he was pitching in Double A. He could have been in Triple A at the end of this season. You know, we know Max is going to make a start, a start or two there uh, because of the extra games that Triple A has. But yeah. Eater and I wouldn't rule out rule out him being traded at all. No, and I
2: and I'll tell you, I think any team that does trade for Eater if that happens, they're a smart team. Because yeah. Eater was phenomenal yeah. man. And they, and if they look at him and like they buy low, quote unquote, for Eater, they're a smart team, bro, because that guy, he was the most dominant pitcher in all of minor league baseball. He really was. From the left side of the, yep. the mound. No, absolutely. Phenomenal. And so any team that look like it says just turns away because of Tommy John they're not doing their due diligence because he was outstanding in his first pro season as well.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, Eater is going to be one of the big pieces, and if the Marlins really are able to deal Eater instead of Meyer, I think you could call this off season. Yeah. I mean, you keep Max Meyer, you know, your yeah. best prospect. You invested a top-five pick into this guy. Not mm-hmm. like Eater, who you invested a, a lower pick. This guy kind of surprised us all. You know, he just came through and started to really – dominating this double a pensacola level which and then you yeah. know and then he gets injured so it's going to be difficult and i want to ask is charlie blackman a center fielder or a right fielder because that would be a pretty good option for them. no he sucks
1: yeah he's 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 been trashed a little bit and he's probably okay. it's still charlie hustle so he's still probably a little bit wait is he charlie hustle no he's uh chuck nasty uh it's his yeah <laughs> but he's 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 probably a little bit out of their price range, but not having a good couple of years last year, 98 and 93 way to runs creative plus uh, Charlie hustle. Who is Charlie hustle? Uh, Pete Rose was Charlie hustle. I'm stupid. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I was going to bring something up, but I can't remember now. Oh, I know what it was if the Marlins have um, by the end of the off season, if they've done their deals and they've gotten uh, <laughs> damn it a premier center fielder and a premier catcher, and they feel they've made upgrades at that position. And they still have guys like Max Meyer, Jose Salas, or Yuri Perez. Two, maybe one or two of those three still in the system. They've done a really good job um, with yeah. those deals. And and we've some, seen them do pretty good with a lot of their trades so far. Um, you know, obviously, some, a lot of people say that three kind of missed. But you... Pablo trade huge W, uh, you know. Getting Devers is still nice. We'll talk about some of these trades, but I, I, I've liked the work that they've done in trades for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think that's exactly where we're going to take it. And I'm going to let you, Isaac, take a little bit more control of this segment going back on the, uh, you know, we'll start in 2017, but we'll move forward, you know, until today's end day, you know, where the Marlins, you know, made all of these trades. But uh, you know, I'm going to let you take over a little bit of, you know, how the regime started all this trading, you know, Stan, Yelich, Ozu, all right. all
2: well, yeah. So we know it started in the 2017 season. Giancarlo's MVP. You have an, another MVP candidate in Marcelo Zuna. You have Yelich playing well. You have an all-star catcher around the dish. So that team was looking good. And the minute, you know, they started saying it wasn't going to go that well that season, the first trade, we we do have uh, David Sampson and Jeffrey Laurie, and Michael Hill to thank for this one, which was the David Phelps trade, which happened on July 20th, 2017. Yeah, good one. David Phelps was a really good reliever. He was a starter for the Marlins who got him from the Yankees and he was a starter for a little bit. And then he just, he got in the bullpen and his cutter and he was just phenomenal out of the bullpen. He really was one of the best relievers the Marlins had, had that year. And they traded him at a great time because he ended up needing Tommy John shortly after the trade. And in return, the Marlins got Brian Hernandez who's a center fielder who's no longer with the organization, I don't believe. Brandon Miller and, you know, Pablo Lopez came in that trade. And so for really no years of control of David Phelps, the Marlins secured a top three starter. In their rotation for the next four or five years, so that was a an A plus trade. I have it as a grade, and wow, that David Phelps trade was just really kind of a diamond in the rough that no one remembers. And Seattle really gave us gave us a really good guy, and for just for a little bit of David Phelps. Did you say Brian Miller or uh... Brian Miller? B R A Y A N. So oh, not I not like the well, UNC, well. not like our Brian Miller that went to UNC. That this is a different one.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. You look back at the trade and yeah. Pablo, Top three starter. Right. I mean, the guy really helped us out in 2020 because he didn't miss a single game. Uh, You, you look back at it. Pablo really has grown. And now I found out he got traded for David Foss. I thought it was in another trade, but yeah, it's a great trade. I think you could really give it an A plus because you got Pablo, but the other two guys really didn't result. So I would no. go, I would go a simple A yeah that's
2: exactly what i had and then i guess we can get into the the new regime their first trade well i'm not counting the garrett cooper michael king trade but the first major trade of you know the sell-off would be the uh i would love to get your guys opinion is the d gordon trade d gordon got traded to the seattle mariners on december 7th for nick neider christopher torres and robert duggar duggar i don't think he's with the team anymore he was just he was just bad news um christopher torres is still playing i think with low a or high A. he's you know just i think infield depth for the organization and then the big piece was nick nider at the time was a top prospect he was a high draft pick for the mariners and he was all that he was this control guy who was just gonna you know be a fourth fifth starter maybe maybe a number three if everything went well hasn't performed that well in the big leagues as of yet but he's he's a rotation piece that'll be definitely competing for if not a fifth spot in the rotation a, a long bullpen guy
0: yeah i'm gonna let you go into this one ethan yeah
1: yeah, uh, you know, at the time it looked like such a huge win when Nider was in AAA and he was striking everybody out and kind of hasn't worked out the way I think a lot of people would like and also he's just gotten surpassed by all the pitching talent that the Marlins or organization Torres. This is a- I just thought of when we started going through these trades and I started thinking about the Seattle trades. I loved this guy. I was really high on this guy a long time ago because all he did was walk. He's never had a, st- a walk rate in his career below 10.1%. Uh, and most of them are in like the 14s and 15s. He's got 19 and 30 games in 2018 and IA. Th- 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 he's got some really good hitting numbers, but it just, I-, I don't know what happened. I think he made way too many errors. Never could get it going on the offense, on the defensive side of the ball, and yeah, his his power numbers were never really there. Um, Didn't hit for a lot of power at all, so it never really worked out for him. But he was a guy that I was high on when there was, I I was grasping for straws at that point. There wasn't a lot of talent, a lot on the hitting side of the ball, but they've obviously, especially up the middle, brought in a little bit more of that. But um, yeah, I think you know, in the end, like D. Kind of fell off right after they traded him, right. and he's he's bounced around to some teams, and I think Nyder can still be a good uh, like swing piece, you know, a guy you call up when you need an arm for a double header and in injury situations. I really wish. That the Marlins saw more of him this year, uh, that they kind of let him work out some of his kinks at the big league level. Obviously, there was a lot of roster fluctuation because they were having so many injuries and bullpen days and stuff. But you know, he was going up and going down, so he could never really get settled at the big league level. But you know, a lot of people wanted him to stay up here and pitch every fifth day, but he just didn't look ready. Honestly, um, I, I really think that 2020 was a huge hindrance to him because he had such a great 2019. Gets hurt last year, and it just kind of all threw off all of his mojo. I still think he can contribute to this team. He's got good stuff. Uh, when he can locate it well, it's pretty effective. Um, you know, maybe in a bullpen roll, like I said, a long relief roll, a swing arm roll, that kind of thing. Uh, so I wouldn't mind. You know, I, I think he'll still have a future in this organization for the next couple of years at the very least. But I mean, yeah, I I, I don't see him in the rotation in the plans in the rotation anymore. There are just too many talented guys in front of him.
0: Yeah, yeah no, that's where I, I wanted to tie- go ahead. Yeah, that's where I wanted to tie into our last conversation about the offseason. I mean, we talked about the bullpen. There are some of these guys that are in Triple A could really come up and make an impact in the bullpen. One of them right now, we're talking about Nick Nider. I think this guy could really go into the long reliever role, like you mentioned, because some of these guys really can't go five innings in an MLB game. I mean, Nick Nider is one of them, I I would say. I mean, Triple A, he's nasty, but when you come up here in the MLB, he starts off pretty well. And then little by little, I I know it's like, you know, fatigue, you start getting tired, but I think a reliever role would make a lot of sense for Nick Nider. And when you really look at the trade, some of these guys really did fall off, and D Gordon's one of them. He really fell off after Seattle, especially since they changed his position to center field, and he really just wasn't the same after that, especially after the year where I don't know if it was steroids or what he he was taking, but he got caught for something, and after that, he's really just he fell down from then. Testosterone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he, he oh, took shit, a PED. Man. That was funny.
0: Yeah, that was hilarious. Hey,
2: David Sampson told the story of um, – <laughs> that he came in, um, Don Mattingly had to come in and just say, hey, D Gordon suspended 80 games. And Barry Bonds, of all people, said, are you f- bleeping kidding me? <laughs> and like, like, really? Like, of all the people in that clubhouse, you're going to go ahead and say something about D Gordon getting suspended for PEDs. But, yeah, no, back to Niner, yeah, he um, just uncharacteristic of him to walk so many guys in 2021. I think he yeah. walked, I forgot how many it was, um, 23 guys in just 35 innings pitched. It was just not who he is. So, yeah will still be in spring training and he'll still have some value left. But the next trade I want to get into would be, you know, it happened four days later, the big one that I was kind of sad about. John Carlos Stanton coming off yeah. his MVP season, traded to the New York Yankees. And let's do a, give a quick refresher. That wasn't the team that Marlins wanted to trade him to. They they had framework of a deal to go to St. Louis. They had a framework of a deal to go to San Francisco. I think Fun Craig fact. mentioned- was-
1: Fun fact, uh-huh. Brian Reynolds would have been in that trade.
2: Yep. Craig Mish told us that little tidbit that he would have been in the trade. So it was a giant trade, a Cardinal trade that John Carlos shut down with his no trade clause. He ended up being traded to the New York Yankees along with a lot of cash, just $280 million, to be exact, for Starling Castro, Jorge Guzman, and Jose Devers. So where do we stand on these boys? Yeah you, start you,
1: yeah, you can't really look at this one the same way you evaluate some of the other trades because this was clearly... They had to do it. They had to dump the salary. Um, The the previous regime, you know, handcuffed them so hard uh, with this massive massive contract that they just had no other choice but to dump G. And they were, they got leveraged into trading him to a place they didn't want to trade him to um, because he had this no trade clause. And they really were left with no choice. I still think Jose Devers could be a very nice player for the Marlins if he can ever stay healthy. Uh, You know, I like the way he looked at the major league level. He was only twenty years, twenty one years old. Nobody expected him to be in the major leagues this year. Everybody was like, "This is crazy. What is this guy doing here?" And then he kind of really held his own um, and put some really good at bats together that I was really intrigued by. Uh, but then he got hurt again, and now durability is a huge concern for him. But I still think he could be a really nice player for the Marlins going forward. Uh, starting Castro, it was fun. Uh, I remember, you know, at one point, I wrote an article to move on from the guy and. Givey San Diaz a chance when he Diaz was the AAA player, was the minor league player of the year in 2019. I just said it was time to just cut ties, you know, move on from Castro, stop trying to get any value for him. It kind of sounds familiar to what we're doing with some of these guys now. Uh, well, you know, the dialogue with some of these guys now. But I was just saying, you know, it's time to get rid of him. And he he, he had some nice moments in a Marlins uniform. He had some good years, but. Like I said, you know, you can't, it's hard to really evaluate this trade as Lewin Diaz singles up the middle for the Marlins right now. Uh, it's hard to really evaluate this trade as anything other than just they were forced into it because of the mishandling of the team by the last regime.
0: Yeah, at the time, I really wasn't the biggest guy when it came to trades and all this stuff like I am now. But, you know, if I'm correct, Stanton wanted out or did the Marlins just have to it do this? Both. It was both. Yeah, it was both. Okay. He he so, he was yeah. sick,
1: you know. After going through one fire sale, he didn't want to go through another one. And uh, I can't I can't really blame you know yeah blame you him for that at all. Can't blame
0: the guy. I mean, and you look at it, the contract really I think is what made it the hardest because mm-hmm. you could have had Brian Reynolds, for example. I mean, you look at that now, and you know, the Marlins are most likely going to try to go for him. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what hap- what happens with Reynolds first of all, and then Stan was just one of those scenarios where. I didn't know much about it. Um, I knew, you know, we'd gotten a pretty good player in Guzman at the time. Injuries have really held him back. That's been the the issue. When he came up, I mean, he looked excited. I was actually able to speak to him. I went to a game and he was there and we just took a picture and started talking. You know, he he looked like he was going to pitch the day after he got here and he was going to stay up for good. You know, he was going to stay up for good and he just couldn't. Fourth walk of the inning. And now time is called. Dom is going to send the trainer out to see if anything's wrong with Guzman. Devers is another guy who, who I think was I think was an unexpected call-up for for sure. I mean, we didn't expect this guy to come up. You know, I think we were talking about Isan coming up, like get Isan or get uh, Eddie Alvarez at the time, but he, I think he was in the Olympics or he was gonna go to the Olympics. And and then Starling Castro. I mean, I think you needed some big league talent to get in this trade and. That was the, the the odd man out, I guess, at the time for the Yankees. Miami, I think, has me- didn't mess up big time on the trade. We'll see how Devers really, you know, turns out. But as of right now, it, it hasn't looked good because from the other trades, I guess you could say that the Marlins could have gone with the Giants or the Cardinals. It could have looked a lot better if he got into one of those teams. I would say.
2: Yeah, no, and my, my two cents on this one, obviously, is just about the money. But still, your Giancarlo in 2017 was one of the best seasons the MVP. Of any guy in the world offensively. He hit 60 home runs. He was hitting for average. He just figured it out. He figured out that close stance and he figured it out. He's coming off an MVP season. You're not trading him and his contract to the Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland Athletics. You're trading him to the you know to the New York Yankees. Yeah. So at the time I was I remember I was at my friend's house like this is what we got. We not a top five guy in the I'm Yankees there. For, for the most valuable player who has control for the rest of his life. So that was I didn't like it at the time. Starling Castro being in there was more of a money thing, I think. Just like to have some money going the other way, yeah. the Yankees side. But, you know, I think Devers will be good. I, I like Devers a lot. He's had fantastic at-bats at such a young age. The guy's 14 years old, and he's pretty up good at-bats in the major leagues. Hopefully he'll stay, he'll stay healthy, but – uh, that trade, I, I I gave it a C minus. Yeah,
1: they got they got leveraged. There was nothing they could really
2: do with yeah, that one. They, yeah, they had their balls grabbed yeah. by Giancarlo. So they, and they I just love
1: nothing. how Eli found this article from Starlin Mar- the Marlin to Isan the Don. If yeah. only we had known back then. Uh, if only we had known. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, re- <laughs> the regrets I have. Marlin. The regrets I have. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So we we can blame Esan's lack of a major league career on Ethan Budowski. You heard it here first. Just to remind everyone, we're recording this on Tuesday, September 21st. Marlins are playing the Nationals at the moment. So, um, three days later, after the Marlins traded John Carlos Sand to the Yankees across town, Derek Jeter doing one final favor for the Yanks. The Marlins traded, which is by far the best trade in a long, long time. Very, very, very long time marcelo Ozuna for two years and let's remind everyone ozuna is coming off a fantastic year a career year still to this day the best year of his career if he if jean wasn't on his team ozuna would have likely been an mvp candidate he was an mvp candidate he was. so marcelo Ozuna was traded to the cardinals on december 14th for sandy alcantara zach gallon magnera sierra and daniel Castano. eventually later on in 2019 Zach, in the 2019 offseason, Zach Gallen was traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Jazz Chisholm Jr. Who's it wasn't the offseason. Was, who's uh, that? It was trade who's, deadline.
1: Who's Jazz Chisholm Jr.?
2: Yeah, no, some, some guy that hasn't put it together yet in the big league yeah. level. Some but, yeah. Yeah, so basically these two trades, this trade of Ozuna netted the Marlins, an ace and an all-star caliber second baseman electric yeah. player in Jazz Chisholm for two years of Marcel Ozuna, who we all know what he can do, what he can't do on the field, and we all know what he does off the field. Yeah. Tremendous, you know, sack of shit. You, <laughs>
1: yeah, his career's probably over. Yeah, his career's probably over.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest piece of that tree was Nags. I mean, <laughs> look what he's done for the team as of right now. You know, yeah, you know, no. fine, I'm not even going to be on it next year. That's how good he's been. That you know, the Marlins yeah, just can't have and, him anymore.
2: You know, so there, there's not much to go into about this one. It's just obviously yeah. I gave it an A plus, Sandy Alcantara, and you really have to give credit not to the Marlins, but to Sandy Alcantara yeah. for really developing at an like such an expedited process in 2018 2019 you could have a whole tarp behind home plate and he still would walk five guys per nine innings now he's not walking people he's striking people out his era is 3.1 something he's having a tremendous year he's cemented himself as the ace of the staff maybe the best pitch in the National League East with the Grom out that trade is just it's the trade that keeps on giving it it is one
0: thing that I think would really mess up this trade. If the Marlins don't re-sign Sandy, if they don't do it, oh, Lord, it is going you know, to... The, the good the news ass.
1: is they've still got him for three years. Uh, they right, still got yeah. three years of control of him. So it's, have no, it's, it's a, have win. No how gonna it's a win no matter what. And even right. you look down the line, like, Costano was the throw-in here, and he was in yeah. contention for a starting job this year. He started. He's been up and down. He's going to provide some value, you know, when they need it. So he did so good, man. And, I mean, you know, the, the Jazz for... Uh, gallon trade was looking like a win-win for a long time, and now all of a sudden it's kind of looking like a, a, a win for the Marlins because gallon has kind of struggled since the old uh, sticky stuff situation. But this is such this was such a good deal, and I mean, yeah. you know, the, the the crazy thing is that that Cardinals organization was so good at the time they could have done even better. I mean, they they picked Sandy over Flaherty, and so they won there, but they could have gotten you know there were guys like Bader. And uh, Tyler O'Neill, I think, was another guy that a lot of people were throwing around in trade, um, you know, conversations. So they could have done even better, but they still did really, really good. I mean, if you replace Mags with a Tyler O'Neill or a Bader or somebody like that, this is you're looking at Maybe you know, not one of the great made. trades in franchise history. Uh, and still to this day, if you know, if they lock up Sandy long term, it would be so they, they they did. So they crushed this one. They crushed it.
0: And you look yeah. at it now. I really want to see how the Marlins are going to handle this guy's arbitration because he's going to be asking for money. I mean, they, the Marlins just have to give him what, he, what what he wants at this point. I mean, I, I think it, the the most obvious thing would yeah. be extend the guy. But right, he's going to have. I to wouldn't go even let him get pissed off.
1: I wouldn't even let him get pissed off by arbitration. I, I, I want
0: to see what the excuse for the Marlins is going to be this year. You know, to like give him less money or, or, or try but, to keep you him where kept- right now
1: you know it doesn't sound like there's going to be any to uh, to be honest with you like Hopefully obviously they lowballed him with that first contract offer kind of but it it just if they can get him on that 5 year 50 million dollar deal that Craig Mish talks about i think they got to pull the trigger there because they are it looks like they're going to start going into this and they want to have these discussions they want to get these extensions done so you know especially after he's just pitched better and better and better as the year has gone on since they offered him that deal i think around deadline time uh i think i'm hopeful i'm optimistic you know craig said you can never be con you can be optimistic but you can never be confident i'm optimistic that the marlins will pull off us a, a sandy extension in the offseason
2: yeah ca- cautiously optimistic would yes, be the for sure the word, you know especially with this regime. they really haven't shelled out and that's one thing that i do miss about the old regime i know there's not many things but they extended D Gordon. They signed D Gordon. They signed guys like Michael Morris, Matt Latos, who were fucking horrible. But they extended Yelich. They 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 shelled out the money when they needed to. And this or this regime has yet to do it at any point to give out a more than a two-year deal. So we'll see if that changes now with Sandy. Sandy would be like the perfect example of who to do it on. But anyway, moving on. Oh, by the way, on Magnus Sierra, I think I, it was a different regime. So that's my only. Reasons why it doesn't make sense, but when the Cardinals came to Miami that year in 2017, Sierra went off on like a 10 for 12 yeah. series and yeah. stole bases, caught balls, and like maybe that's what they. I don't know, but I don't know how you just look at the uh, the Cardinals farm system at the time and choose Magners
0: Sierra out of and, all of them. And something else I'll say is Max is the is that kind of guy who's like a bunt and you know and you run player. I, I think that just doesn't fit in today's game of baseball as much as it used to. Maybe when the trade was made, or a little bit before that, yeah. he, he's not that guy anymore. You know. Yeah, exactly.
2: So moving on, you know, to, uh, just one real quick
1: go. thing, Isaac. You talked about how the the old regime, you know, they were different because they handed out extensions. A lot of those extensions didn't work out. So the and they company, threw. Right? Yeah, the Yelich one. You know, obviously they ended up getting value for Yelich, and and you know that looked <laughs> smart at the time. And but the, look at the, what they did with stanton and and d and yeah. some of these other ones you know they threw they 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 spent the money but they spent it recklessly i mean look at the 2012 free agency right so they were willing to cough up more money but i don't know if they had the right intentions in mind well, and I, I hope mean, that this regime, I hope this regime has the right intentions with in mind in terms of they shell out the money for Sandy, they shell out the money for Jesus Aguilar. They should have shelled out the money for Starling Marte or Adam Duvall at least one of the two. So right. I, I kind of you know if Byron Buxton comes, they shell out the money for them, but that kind of stuff.
2: Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I think they, I think they have the same intention, which is to try and win. Right. Lorio, yep. they wanted to win. They shell, shell out the money. When they signed john carlo in 2014 for that 13 years through 25 i think loria knew that he was never going to pay the back end of that contract which was a back-loaded contract at the time and just you guys remember we will talk about it later we'll come, jose fernandez passed away and that they couldn't who knows maybe Loria never sells if jose doesn't pass away they still and they end up paying the whole 13 years and they could do it if guys the Marlins were a world series contender in 2018 if everyone or in 2017 i'm sorry if jose is there can't yeah. change my mind about that. They were a playoff-contending oh, team man. with Jose at the top of the rotation. Anyway, we're getting off topic. It's a fun conversation to have. Maybe we'll we'll, uh, we'll have it for the next one. Anyway, about a month and a half later, the nightmare of all trades happened on January 25th. Christian Yelich shelled out to Wisconsin Milwaukee for Lewis Brinson, Monte Harrison, Isan Diaz, Jordan Yamamoto. Jordan Yamamoto no longer with the team. He's with the Mets, and he's tweeting out some weird things about politics. Mm-hmm. Monte Harrison is getting into fights in the Marlins clubhouse with the Marlins' best player. Isan Diaz is just not hitting the ball whatsoever, sure, and Lewis Brinson is hanging by a thread in a major league. You know, starting every day in a major league lineup. So obviously, this one I gave it a straight F. It's a fail. It's a needs improvement for those in lower school. Couldn't have gone worse, I don't think. Especially when you look at the Marlins considering trading Yelich to Toronto. But hey, we have something. Fun to talk about. How? Hor- what's worse, this one in the Miguel Cabrera trade?
1: <laughs> well, listen, the Marlins. They again, they were left with no choice here. Uh They had to trade Yelich. He was unhappy here. Uh It wasn't going uh, to work. man, I don't know. He was really unhappy here, and he yeah. was going to be strapping down. You know, strapping down. You know, this and isn't the NBA. And,
2: this isn't the NBA where the player th- I I get
1: it. you, man. No, I get you, but I just think. It, you're a rebuilding team, and you're starting over, and you have an unhappy, you know, player on your team, and you can fetch. That. Obviously, it didn't work out, but at the time, you fetched four top yeah. prospects in that Brewers mm-hmm. organization. So, at the time, you're looking at it, you're like, they did pretty good. You know, obviously, it hasn't panned out. Maybe there were some things that they should have seen. And another thing was, I'm pretty sure they tried for Acuna with the Braves, and the Braves obviously yeah. didn't bite there. They tried for Bichette or Vlad with the Jays. They didn't bite there. I bet they went back to the Giants and tried for Brian Reynolds. If they tried for him with John Carlos Stanton, so you know they they tried, right? They made these offers. They were looking to move, go in the right direction. Lewis Brinson was a consensus top 15, 20 prospect in all of baseball. Hasn't worked. Uh, Monte Harrison had a lot of upside, still might have a lot of upside. We don't know. You know, he has 20, point, 20, 20, even 30, 30, possibly potential, Um, you know, but we just haven't seen it come together at the big league level because he hasn't had a, enough chances. And there are other reasons for that, but, you know, um and, and then, you know, Isan and Yamamoto, Yamamoto looked like he was going to be great at first. And it looked like they kind of got a, a good, you know, good deal there. Didn't work out. Isan was the 2019 minor league player of the year, hasn't worked out the majors. It's just unfortunate. Uh it was kind of what they had to do. And luckily, um Yelich, since they unjuiced the balls, has kind of really <laughs> fallen off. Hasn't had didn't have a good year last year, didn't have a good year this year. Um, and I'm of course not, you know, like he, he was obviously tremendous. We knew that he could be really good. I don't think anybody thought he could tap into 40 home run power. But you knew we knew that he could all you know all of us were saying this guy can tip into 30 home runs and hit 280 290 and he went to a different level that none of us maybe expected but we knew he could be a great player so yeah it, it was unfortunate and um, you know at the time I was kind of like all in on trading Yelich um, you know but. Uh, it, it it hasn't worked out, and it's really unfortunate for Brinson and Monte and Isan and Yamamoto. There's a lot of pressure on those guys, um, and the you know it it's more unfortunate, of course, for the for the franchise because they could have really gotten out to a good start. And instead mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, set them back a couple of years.
2: Right. You know, and I'm not arguing, you know, the fact I would have traded him as well. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, but Yeah. You know, just the fact that they had to, they, you know, no one has to trade anyone, but yeah, in a rebuilding team, you definitely don't want someone that doesn't want to be there. I think Jeter said that in like the inaugural press conference, when he purchased the team, you don't want anyone that doesn't want to be there. Now you can kind of see a culture change in this team. You know, Absolutely. people want to be here. Marte wants to be here. Um, Aguilar wants to be here. Sandy has said he wants to be here. So. Kevin, what are your thoughts on on the yellow trade? That's one or Miguel Cabrera. Which one would you rather have
0: back? Probably, probably this one. I, I would well, Miguel Cabrera is a Hall gonna, of fa- is a first yeah, ballot Hall of Famer. Come on, thing.
1: guys! Like <laughs> this is not even a question. And they got Burke uh, Badenhop for him. Like obviously, they got a little more out of Badenhop and Maven, but he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. It's one of the worst trades in the history of baseball. Yelich might not be even a Hall of Famer. He had two Hall of Fame years, but he hasn't kept it consistent enough. Miguel Cabrera is a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's that's yes.
2: not yeah, even. That, a I was hoping that was your answer, not Kevin. Even, is, is that sure. your answer? Yeah.
0: No, yeah. Now that I think of it, yeah, I think it's. Yeah, now, now that I think of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I Completely forgot. This guy's gonna be a Hall of Famer. I mean, <laughs> he's one of the best Latin players to ever play the game. Maybe top five, maybe even top three. It just and what they got back. I mean, maybe the best piece obviously was Cam Mabin, but you know he didn't do too much with the team after that. And yeah. quickly, Louis Brinson was the <laughs> number thirteen prospect in twenty seventeen. So he, he, you know, at the time, that trade made all the sense in the world. You're getting a top fifteen prospect in Lewis Brinson, you get the future, uh, twenty nineteen, I think it was, minor league player of the year Nissan Diaz, mm-hmm. and you get a pretty good player in Jordan Yamamoto, and you get. Maybe one of the most hyped-up prospects in Monte Harrison that the Marlins had that year. You know, and and I think right now Monte Harrison, I, I think that's the big piece I want to look at right now because he hasn't had a fair chance yet. He hasn't had an everyday shot at wherever he's gonna play in the outfield. And that's the only reason why to hold on to him. But if the team says I want Monte Harrison as a sweetener, I'm throwing in Monte Harrison as the sweetener because it just makes sense to trade that guy yamamoto it, it really he really looked good he started off 4 zero. he was really pitching well and then all of a sudden in 2020 he just couldn't get it going never got it going and they just got rid of him after that because why keep him brinson this may i think this might be his best season with the marlins i he's been producing well offensively defensively he's never been a question to be bad i think he's always been good defensively playing center field Right field, left field, mainly right field, I would say. But besides that, this is an F. I mean, Easton's absolute shit. There's no other way to say it. The guy can't stay consistent for a single day in his life. He's been pretty good at third. That's the only thing I could say about Easton. He's been good at third. But besides that, he's been shit. He's. I think he's been worse than Alfaro in some points. So that's something to, for sure to say there. Yeah, this may be the worst trade this regime has made since entering in 2017.
2: Yeah, and uh, no, I think Monte Harrison. I think he's played his last game as a Marlin in the majors. leagues. When he uh, when he inevitably gets traded, we can really like start degrade this trade even harsher because you know it just it just didn't work out. And just one thing I want to discuss of what this farm system looked like before these trades. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Number one prospect Tyler Kolick, Austin Dean, Stone Garrett, Thomas Jones, Jake Esch, J T Riddle, Tomas Talis, Dylan Peters. Those are the main guys of this of this farm system, so it was pretty tough to watch. And now I want to go really quickly because we're running out of time here. Of all these trades, that like D Gordon, Marcelo Zuna, Giancarlo, David Phelps, Yelich, there's three players that are still here that are going to be contributing, which is Sandy, Jazz, and Pablo. Now the bigger trades that I think really help this team today, that have helped these teams today, were the trade deadline deals in 2019 yeah. and 2020. You look at the Sergio Romo for Lewin Diaz trade. That was Amazing. an A, by the way. You know, for, you get the Nick Anderson and Jesus Sanchez trade. Jesus Sanchez yeah. is your right, right fielder next year. And then you have one more that I'm blanking on. I think that was mid season. Well, we also forgot to talk about the JT Real Muto trade, which you got Six O Sanchez. Unfortunately, they, they tried to sign JT Real Muto and not really, you know. He hard, wanted out. I'm pretty But sure. yeah, I think he wanted out. If as you well. want to
1: talk about one that they could have they extended put more effort
2: into for
1: keeping JT was the guy, yeah. uh, you know, obviously look at what the catcher spot looks like now. And you're looking at, that would look a lot better with JT. And uh if you, if you put the proper money into him, but I don't know that they had the money at the time to offer him the money that he was going to get on the open market. Um, So I, you know, but they did get six. So, so, but right. yeah, this, exactly. would, this would have been the one, this would have been the one guy that I'm like, okay, maybe you know, I, I, I kind of trade a
0: bit. And Alfaro was a top 100 prospect yeah. in, uh, for five straight years. For five yeah. years, yeah, yeah, he was number 62 in 2017. You look yeah. back at it, I mean, six to played a play yeah. to playoff game. He pitched a really good playoff game. I mean, pitched two playoff games, one better than he the other, two of them, yeah, one good one and one okay one, I would say. And I wasn't able to watch many of those that second round because of school. But you know, besides that, I mean. Sixto hopefully comes back better than ever because he's going to be a huge part of their rotation in um, 2022. So right. we'll see what happens with all these trades. And right. I mean, if, you, if you guys want to mention the Luzardo one, but I not I think we would have to wait at least two years yeah. down the road to yeah, see what well, that yeah, one. Let's,
2: you know, we, the, we've, we've discussed discussed enough sad trades. Let's not even bring another one into it. Hey, Luzardo.
1: Uh, you mean Araldis Chapman, Andrew Miller, <laughs> Brad Hand? Those guys, are right? I'm just saying. Look, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm kind of starting to lean towards that because they made a mis- they made the mistake with Miller. They made the mistake with Han. Learned from the mistake. Obviously, they're gonna try and they're gonna give him every single chance he can to start because they traded him for Starling Marte.
2: Yeah, but well, yeah. I, think,
1: I think I so- think at this point, if you turn, if you take Starling Marte and you trade him for Andrew Miller you know and, and and Lazardo's 23 years old and you say i'm getting basically andrew miller for this not bad
2: so yeah hey he's got the stuff and it's you just hope because like sometimes it works in andrew miller's case in brad hand's case it worked out but a lot of times when you put a starter in the bullpen sometimes it doesn't but it shit, of the stuff yeah. is just too good for it not to work in just a in like a one to two inning role in the bullpen from the left side with that wipeout curveball and a high 90s fastball, I, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't even give him more starts past this year.
0: So I think we I want to go in a little bit in the minor leagues. We don't have too much time. But, I mean, I think we could do, a I guess, a quick scan. And I think the main news why I wanted to talk about the minors, which was Max Meyer and Burdick both got called up to AAA, which it's really good news because I think Maybe next year they're back. They're back. They're in the bigs. You know, they they make their debuts. Twenty twenty two. Hopefully the season doesn't go to hell. But I mean, if it does, obviously you call the guys up earlier than September to make their debuts. I mean, I'm gonna start with you, Ethan. What do you think about you know the call up?
1: I like it. Um, I would have liked to see Bladego up uh, as well, just to finish off the year with some abs. Because I would be interested to see him against Triple A pitching. Honestly, it's worse pitching. Than uh double a and the ball yeah. tends to fly a little better in triple a. So I would have liked to see him, uh, in triple a, just get, you know, two weeks of bat bats to finish up the season and try and put a, a bow on a bad season. But I think they're going to do that with the Arizona fall league. He seems like a great candidate to go out there and get some a B's and try to impact baseball a little more. And obviously in the Arizona, you know, dry air, that could be a pretty good idea for him. Pretty good place environment for him to hit. Uh, and, you know, it, it worked for Jazz. They sent Jazz out there, and he was great out there. So I, I think that's a really good spot for him and maybe a guy like Hossettler. Settler. Uh, but looking forward to seeing Burdick against A pitching. Um, looking forward to see him in spring training. Uh, you know, he had a great finish to the season. Pretty up-and-down season, but still put together some really nice numbers despite not hitting for a lot of average. Um, you know, he put going to pull up this pulling up the stats now but uh you know in a really nice year all things considered 137 weighted runs run 23 home runs uh 848 ops he struck out a little too much 29.3 strikeout percentage 231 batting average didn't have a really high BABIP, so like he did uh, in in 2019 so that probably contributed to the lower batting average a little bit but uh yeah it Kid's a stud. Uh, I'm still pretty high on this kid. And I, I don't know that he's an opening day 2022 option. I think if you no. look at him and him and Dillacruz are competing for the third outfield spot, then they kind of went a little wrong. You know, that's the scenario where you're looking. OK, maybe they didn't do enough in the offseason. Um, and then, yeah, with Meyer. uh Put him up against AAA pitching and, and see how he does. Just get some more innings. He's going to go. I think Eli said he's going to go over a hundred innings this year, which is pretty good. Uh, I I think that's some really nice news for the Marlins to send these guys up. It's it's a smart move. And like I said, I would have liked to see JJ go up as well. Um, but these are the two guys that you know maybe they get a shot on the major league roster at the beginning of the year. So um, I, I like. Uh, I like both these moves, and I'm interested to see how they do. Burdick, that game's starting tonight, and he's hitting second and uh playing in left, so
0: yeah, Isaac.
2: No, I mean, you know, I just saw uh, Pensacola's last couple series were canceled due to COVID. It's just about getting them more reps, getting them more rest of Triple A, and it'll be great, you know, it's not a bad move but with JJ Blade. I just it would have been tough to just promote him to triple a yeah. i know it, it's not really a promotion triple is just to get him more at bats. so I, I i would have seen no problem with that i don't know why they didn't but yeah he'll definitely go to the arizona Fall League. i would assume just to get again more reps more at bats and hopefully we'll see these guys in the high minors next year and all three of them should be making their debut sometime in 2022
0: yeah and i think that's just showing you don't call it bladet that means they don't think he's even ready for 2022 i mean you, They call it Burdick over Blade, and they call it Meyer as well. I think those guys for sure at some point will make the debut in 2022. And just a quick scan through the Miners, I just want to do one quick question on that. I mean, Ethan, what are the guys that right now in the Miners, you've kind of given up on Because I know you talked about one of the Mesa <laughs> brothers you've kind of given up on. I know Alex Carver, you know, our good friend uh, – Kind of hates us for that, but I mean,
1: he'll never give up on anybody. Uh, I think seven yeah, years that's from true. Now, when Victor Mesa is playing in Cuba, he'll be like, I think Victor Mesa, Victor, Victor Mesa can still play in the major leagues. So I love Alex. It's it's one of the things I love about him is that he'll never give up on any of these prospects uh, yeah. until the day he dies. Um, but yeah, uh, um, yeah, I'll I'll just go ahead and answer. Uh, Victor, Victor, I'm out on. Um, I've seen enough. You know, I think he finally just found a level he can hit at. And he had a great year. You know, he had a great finish in high A. It was nice to see I'm Happy for the kid. But uh, I just, there's too much there, baggage and bad results for me to say that he's ever going to be a major league player. Uh, I'm not super high on Connor Scott. He had a nice year, all things considered, but just doesn't hit, hasn't tapped into enough power. He's starting to be, I think he's already like 22. Um, and I'm just kind of looking at the guy, and everybody keeps telling he's 21, and everybody keeps telling me, you know, he's going to tap into his power and he's going to really break out. And he had a nice year, he hit 276, 112 weighted runs security plus 777 OPS. Um, but never been super high on him anyway. And I'm higher on guys like Meisner and Burdick and Blade and some of these other outfield prospects. Guy I was really disappointed in this year, and injuries may have played a factor is Gerard and Carnacion. Uh, I was hoping Harar could be the DH next year for the Marlins. Uh, I think that's pretty much out of the picture now, and uh, you know he'll probably have to repeat AA and see if he can, you know, be what we thought he would be. Um, but kind of losing some hope there, uh, guys. I'm out on Chris Mokma, uh, a high school pick from the 2019 draft. Really mm-hmm. struggled in Jupiter this year. That was really concerning. Um, you know, I think they had high hopes for him and Federer. Federer was a little better, uh, but but Mokma really struggled. Can't really think of any other ones than that. I'm certainly not giving up on Bladé. The guy has too much talent. He has too pretty of a swing to just lose it all in one season. Um, so I, I I think, you know, I'm willing to kind of keep rolling with him. Uh, but he he's got a lot to prove next year, for sure. That's for sure. He's got a lot to prove, so. 2022 is gonna be a really interesting year for the Marlins minor leaguers because if they improve the you know the major league roster how many of these minor league guys are going to be real contenders to play at the big league level over some of the guys that they're going to be get acquiring uh, and it, that becomes an interesting question it's gonna be a proven year for a lot of guys Connor Scott blade um, so yeah it, it's it's an interesting uh, 2022 season and as always a very interesting farm system.
2: Yeah, no, I, I want to touch on one of the guys you mentioned, Connor Scott. He was a high school pick. He was an interesting pick at the time, in 2018, you know, there was a lot of guys on the board. He reminds you of just Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker of the Astros. Um, they went to the same yep. high school yep. with plants. Plant. Yep. Um, Say so he went to plant in Tampa. A friend of mine that I played high school baseball with Chase Sanguinetti, he also went to tam- uh, to plants with Chase there uh, with um with Connor. And they were teammates and i asked him i was like what are your thoughts this is our first pick with the new regime it's like this kid just rakes he he was a man among boys in high school and he played okay in his first full season COVID just i think a lot of these offensive prospects are going to take unfortunately another year yep. to just get you know reacclimated to this full season ball because he, he's a high school kid you know it's it's not easy and Kyle tucker if you guys remember he struggled a lot in the big leagues people were like saying forget it he sucks and Cal Tucker, ironically, was one of the guys mentioned for a JT Real Muto return, but yeah, no Connor Scott. I think this would have to be the year. I, I want to see him at Double A in 2022 at some point, and he needs to he needs to perform because we're we're running out of time on that one. This will be the fourth year since he's been drafted, so this is a this is a big one
0: for him. Yeah, that's the guy I, I really wanted to mention that I think I'm just. If if he doesn't do anything next season, I think yeah. I would. Be and, and he's the only
2: guy in that draft. It was Will Banfield. It was Osiris Johnson. It was those three guys who just haven't panned out.
1: Tristan Pompey was the fourth one.
2: Yeah, Tristan Pompey. I think was it
1: was it Pompey. It yeah.
2: was it was Tristan Pompey. Yeah. He was a college pick. He had Dalton Pompey's cousin or something.
1: That's when I really started uh, following the system. That was like when yeah. I started doing. Uh, what's yeah. it called?
2: What was that, Eli? Uh,
1: things we love to see. That was when I first joined Fish stripes, and that was that draft class. Yeah, I yeah, wasn't following, no,
2: following this this um the system since they had Jake Mariznick and um, Jared
1: Kozart. Ah, very fun. That was a, talk about that. Talk about a bad trade. Jesus. Yeah, Jake.
2: Who else was in that? It Colin was, Moran. Colin Moran was that first. Yeah. He was that draft pick. You would see. Uh, what's his name? The fat one. Not, uh, Canada the Canadian oh, Josh thing. Naylor Josh Naylor Josh Naylor yeah yeah that was just they had
0: Luis Castillo too I mean Luis Castillo yeah. imagine what this team would look like if all those guys you know Dan
2: Straley yeah this this team has gone through a lot but I guess the one last thing we want to talk about is you know we're in September we're looking at you know teams that are rolling out some September call-ups or we have some teams that are competing for playoff spots the Marlins unfortunately are the former and we're here looking at which team do you guys think has the dimmest future? They're not good right now. They're not going to be good next year. They're not going to be good anytime soon. I have my team in mind. Right, if you want, Ethan, you go ahead and start since you're a special guest.
1: Oh, man. Ooh, uh, there, there's a team in the National League East, but I'll let you take that one. Uh, yeah. I say. Go. I'm going to go with the – oh, man. There's some bad teams. And you know in what? I
2: was scared of picking one of your favorite teams because that's one of one that I. You know play. they did
1: they did okay. Um, and they've got Brennan Davis, who I'm really happy with. Yeah, their farm system um, wasn't that bad. Really for, doing. but man, the it looks bleak for the rock. I'm gonna go with the Rockies. That's yeah. who I'm gonna go with. Um, you know I was gonna say the Diamondbacks, but they've got some nice prospects there. I'm gonna go with the Rockies. This team, I have no idea what the fuck they're doing. To be honest, <laughs> they traded Nolan Arenado. All signs point that they're gonna trade Trevor Story. To make up for the fact that they didn't really do that great for Arenado, and then they didn't trade Trevor Story, and he's just gonna walk in free agency, so they're not gonna get anything for him. So they're not gonna they're not gonna have anything to build their farm system off of. They don't have a lot of other pieces that they can trade. Brendan Rodgers actually finally came on and had a good year. Looks like an yeah. actual serviceable MLB hitter. Finally, it to only took him twelve years, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know that you know they never have any pitching because of Coors Field. They don't seem to be. Willing to spend any money to improve the team, um, you know maybe they shock everybody and they re-sign Story and they go out and make some big-time money acquisitions. But uh, this team looks like a disaster. Uh, I don't think they really have anything in the pipeline coming behind any of these guys. So yeah, I'm looking up and down and you know the, the Pirates, they've got good pieces, but they're yeah. perennially rebuilding. Uh, the Diamondbacks, it looks pretty bleak. The Twins, I don't know where they are. They're kind of in the middle because they were supposed to be good this year and they were terrible and they don't have a lot behind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Oof, oof, but for the Rockies, it's really ugly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say the Rockies.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. That was actually like number three on my list. And fun fact about Brendan Rodgers. I, I fa- me and my team, we faced them in Arizona and that kid, he hit one 560 feet <laughs> to left field off the best pitcher we had in Robert Dudon. He hit one... And I've never seen a ball hit that far. You know that clip of Barry Bonds, anyone in Anaheim, that's yeah. the first thing I've ever seen hit. That was that shit. But Kevin, who's your who's your shittiest team now and in the future?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. <laughs> obviously, I would like to say the Marlins, but I'm not they, they actually have something wow. to for next season. Nah, I mean, obviously it's a joke. You know, yeah. I don't think the Marlins are gonna be shitty next year, hopefully. Um I I, I had the twins in mind. The Rangers, they have some pretty good prospects. I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks, even though they have some pretty good prospects. I mean, yeah. it's a team that probably is going to trade Cattell Marte in the offseason. Then I I do not really know. I mean, I don't know the Diamondbacks that well, but I know they're pretty shitty. They got a hundred L's. They should have traded Bumgarner. There's no need to, for him to be losing on a losing team. I think he should be out there trying to compete for a World Series. Um, you know, and the Cubs are pretty going to be pretty bad the next couple of years. Sorry, Ethan, but, uh, I mean, Patrick Wisdoms came along. I mean, they're and depending what they get into in the Wilson Contreras trade because that guy's gone. I mean, unless they're going to rebuild around him, which, which shocked me. But I mean, if they get something good in a Wilson Contreras trade, maybe they have a pretty good future. I mean, it, they again, they're starting from the bottom up. Literally, what the Marlins did. Nationals are doing the same thing. I mean, and then you talk about the Rockies. I have no idea what they're doing. They're probably going to trade Blackman unless they are in story. I mean. There's a lot of bad teams. I can't see the Orioles because the Orioles actually have some pretty good prospects. I actually like. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bad teams. There. I'm gonna go with the Diamondbacks. You know, I actually expected them to be decently competitive this season. Maybe not make the playoffs, but I mean, at least third place in the division, which it's not where they're at right now. Yeah, no,
2: I the Diamondbacks are a mess right now. You know, it's it's tough to see. They are they they're 48 and 102, which is. Pretty freaking bad there that's good for a winning percentage of 320 the rockies for all intents and purposes haven't been that bad this year but you just know yeah. like they don't have the prospects they're 70 and 79 obviously eliminating that tough division but they haven't been horrible but they just i don't see the prospects or like you know literally meaning the word prospects like anything that will show me that they have a, a good future but yeah, no, and my team on, and I, I don't think the Rangers are gonna be very good anytime soon either. Yeah, but
1: she's just that big, organization.
2: And yeah, no, the Rangers, they're they're a mess. They they have this new ballpark, and they they did the opposite of what the Marlins did. They went into a rebuild into their opening year of their ballpark, which was an interesting marketing strategy. <laughs> but um, the team that I'm gonna go with, you all know, is the Washington Nationals. Man, that team, they they're two years removed from a World Series winning team. Disaster. They,
1: they, Disaster.
2: <laughs> they had all the guys that were there. They had Max Scherzer. They still have Strasburg, They have trade. They had Trey Turner. They had they have Juan Soto. And I was looking at their farm system, and they have some. They have two. I like KB Ruiz a lot. I really wanted him at some point for the Marlins. I think he's going to be a stud. Yeah. And that pitcher, their Aaron Cervelli, or that's their number two prospect. That right-handed pitcher is really good. But other than that, all their top thirties are just guys in low way or below in rookie ball. Who are they also
0: have Josiah Gray, but I don't know if he graduated.
2: Right, Josiah Gray. He graduated, and yeah. they're just none of them are projected to be big league regulars, big league starters. They're all just complementary pieces, either utility or relievers. And man, it's just they trade. They did that trade of Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They got back Josiah Gray, but other than that, and Gabriel Ruiz, but they didn't get much else. And yeah. for the one of the best pitchers of this generation, and for one of the best shortstop shortstops in the game. So
1: yeah, and not I mean, only that, Isaac. I mean, they traded Schwarber. They, they traded. Warb. Who who else? Uh, They moved on from Leicester. Like they cleaned house. And, you know, I, I would be willing to say them, but they did do good for. I mean, they didn't do good enough considering that they traded Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. Those yes. fuckers. But I mean, how do you do that? That's like when all those teams would just give New England like the best defensive linemen. It was like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, how could you possibly do that? So that was kind of bad, but I was willing to say them, but they still have some pieces and that organization is pretty good at acquiring prospects and stuff and Strasbourg and yada 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 behind them. But man, it fell apart quick there. And and it yeah. is embarrassing to say the yeah. least to Two years removed from a World Series, be worse than the Marlins. That is embarrassing.
2: Yeah, really. And to give those two guys to the Dodgers, it's like Kevin Durant going to the fucking Golden State Warriors, man. It's yep. just, why do you do that, man? Like, yeah, that's that. just not though. But the whole trade was Max Scherzer, trade turner for Caber Ruiz, J- Josiah Gray, and Gerardo Carrillo, and Donovan Casey. So it was two for two, basically, because the other two guys are not projected big leaguers or anything like that. So it was a tough trade for them, and that's why they're my team with the dimmest future because I don't and that's good for the Marlins man, because that's just one team. The other three teams in the division probably have decent futures. The Philadelphia Phillies don't have a good farm system at all. So that's a team that if they don't spend the money, they're not gonna be very good. They might have to go through a rebuild, in my opinion, at some point soon. So, you know, you're now you're just dealing with the Mets and the Braves, and the Braves have been underwhelming, and the Mets, they're gonna have a billion dollars to spend whenever they want. So that's gonna to be tough, but you know it should be a it should be a fun division for the models to compete in for the foreseeable future
0: yeah with the phillies i think i would just give it another year you know they don't make the play yeah, they, they're gonna then. have to re- really start considering trading yeah. some of these guys yeah and i, I agree think there. they really lived off a lot of money because bryce harper what was the deal like 13 years 30, 330 I think. yeah and then mm-hmm. jt got a two-year deal he gets like five years 80 million it was five years all right yeah and then they got some other guys i mean aaron nola i think they re-signed him if i'm correct Mm-hmm. one thing they just don't do is the bullpen. If they, if they had yeah. a solid bullpen, that team would be probably at the top of the division right now.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think at one point in the 13 years of Harper's career there, I, they're going to have to rebuild at one point. So I'm just... Yeah. I, I definitely think so. They have they have nothing coming up. I would like to see
1: them make the uh, playoffs. Oh, I, 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 I would. don't
2: think it's going to happen at this
1: point, but I would like to see because I just want
0: some new blood up there. Yeah, you know? hey, They're only
2: three games back of the, of the Braves and the division so it's it's definitely possible but you know only 12 games left
0: yep and uh i think this is where we're gonna end it ethan thank you for coming on yeah it was great to be with you guys Yeah, sorry for you guys around so long but it was a good
1: time and i'm looking forward to uh streaming on friday i think right well we'll see on
0: friday well yeah but
1: family family's in town for uh tennessee this weekend so no No, good good talking you guys yeah gators gators in tennessee this
2: weekend
1: and Dolphins <laughs> and fucking Lost who do we League play? It? The Raiders, right? Yeah, that was yeah, bad. That fun. was really bad. Yeah, this last game was tough. But yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. I'm I uh, I would love to join you anytime. Uh, yep. You guys can always ask me to be on. I will always help you guys out. So appreciate it. Thank you, know, you man. Yeah, and uh, that's a wrap, everybody.